Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Father, your word says that you will bless those who bless the nation of Israel. Father, I release blessing on our lives, on every life in this room and around the world in ways that we can't even imagine. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. And the Lord said, if we love him, then we love Israel, we love our Jewish brothers and sisters, and we love one another. Whether we're old or young, male or female, white or black or brown, we are a body jointly fit together. And Father, you said where there is unity, you will command your blessing. Command your blessing right now on every one of us, and we receive it in Jesus' name. If you receive the unimaginable blessing of God, give him praise and give him glory right now. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Now, um, we're doing a prophetic series on the seven churches of Revelation. And the next church in line is the church of Sardis. And I was fully intending to teach on the church of Sardis today. But uh, last night, the Lord changed me. Now, let me prepare you for next week. Don't miss it. Because the church of Sardis is the only church in the Bible of the seven churches that God has nothing good to say about it. Matter of fact, he said it's the dead church. He said, you have a reputation for being alive, but I know you're dead. And it's the church that misses the rapture. Now, when I was studying that and and realizing that this is the church unless they turn, this is the church that misses the rapture. And when you look at what's happening in the world today prophetically, there is no denying that we are closer to the rapture than we have ever been. Now, I'm going to show you some things. So instead of teaching that, I thought, you know, we're going to show you a week of walking in Jerusalem and Israel, literally seeing Bible prophecy before us. And I want to show you three different levels in that. But when I was, it was amazing because we were interviewed by Christian media. We were interviewed by secular media. Friday, um, we went to, in Dallas here, the Jerusalem prayer breakfast. And afterwards, people walked up to me and everybody, secular and religious, asked us the same thing whether it was for the Jerusalem Post or whether it was for uh, Christian Broadcasting Network or it was just politicians, they asked me this, do you think with all that's going on with Russia, with Ukraine, is this the end? And my answer is this, I don't think so. Now, I might be wrong. The wicked servant says the master delays his coming. But I don't think, I'm praying that this is not the end. You know, we, and, and we, are, we are one madman from pushing a red button. Now, I believe as his finger's heading towards the button, the rapture's going to take place. But I'm praying that this is not the end. I'm praying that this is a great awakening. And that... Our best really is yet to come. Now, I believe that best, if, if I'm, and once again, let me say, the Lord could come before we say amen. He really could. And you're, I'm going to show you some things that we've seen, but we were right there in Jerusalem. And the Lord could come at any moment. But what I'm feeling in my spirit is as we read the seven churches of Revelation, there's going to be half the church that misses it and half the church that sees God open up the heavens. 
Now, when we talk about the church, we're talking about the church, but we're also talking about each and every one of us as individuals are the church. And so when we look and, and, you know, part of the trip is where I spoke, I was asked by the Israeli government, and we're going to show you this, to speak to members of government from around the world that were invited there to hear political things concerning Israel, my job was to come over and talk to them about what the Bible says, about the land of Israel, about standing with with, uh, Israel, about defeating anti-Semitism. And so many of every one of these men and women that came from literally around the world that we spoke to, and Scotty and I spent three and a half days with, Every one of them are Christians, but it's amazing that very few know the Bible. Very few know the Bible. A lot of them, a lot of especially European people, are Christian because they're born Christian, but they don't go where the Bible is being taught. And it was our job to say, here's what the Word of God says. And the thing we've got to remember as we look at this journey for a week that Scotty and I went on is that Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. We got to realize, and I I know everybody knows this, but sometimes we're deaf from hearing it. God says concerning Israel, I will bless those who bless Israel. That's a good thing. But then he says concerning Israel, If you curse Israel, the God who brings water out of the rocks, the God who spoke the world into existence, the God who raises the dead, he said, if you curse Israel, or you allow your church to curse Israel, or you allow your nation to curse Israel, or if you allow people you vote for to curse Israel, I will curse you. It's both sides. It's not, well, if we bless Israel, it's all good. If we don't, then it's neutral. No, we need to understand, the closer we, this is where we're at. We're, we're, we're almost to the peak. But I believe, I believe that there's a great awakening taking place in the body of Christ and that we're going to see the greatest outpouring of God's spirit that we've ever seen. So I want to look at very briefly, and forgive me, I didn't study all this out. I just threw this together last night and pray that I, I say it right and, and, and put it together. But I want to look at three prophecies that Scott and I saw right before our eyes when we were in the nation of Israel, when we were in the city of Jerusalem. And, you know, I couldn't help but think, gosh, what's all that's going on? And of course, we were talking a lot of po- political things and a lot of government things that, that I'm not allowed to share. But I'm thinking, wow, we're, we're closer to the rapture than ever before. And I was looking out my window, and there was the old city. And right out through the gate, the Jaffa Gate was the Western Wall. And I said, if the Messiah comes now, Scott and I, as old as we are, we could run down and meet him. <laughs> we're that close. But I want you to know that I believe in all my heart that if we have eyes to see and we have ears to hear, that the best, the great awakening will come upon us. And if we're going to get something done for the kingdom of God, let's get it done now. Can I have an amen? So let me start off with this. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. And I had him put up this small pulpit uh, today so that we can show you some things. Um, go to the book of Ephesians chapter two, and I want you to read with me and all of us know the scripture, but read with me verse eight for by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God and not of works. Lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship. Now look at this next part created in Christ Jesus, this is for the church, the Gentiles, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, let me just stop right there and and we'll explain this in a moment. The Lord says, you are created. You and I are created. We're not to come to church and just sing Kumbaya. We are created for good works. 
which God set in us beforehand. Now, what that means simply is ancient Jewish wisdom says when the moment before I was born, the moment before you were born, the moment before you were born, the moment before you were born, God, we, our soul, our spirit stood before the throne of God and God gave us a mission. In Hebrew, it's called tikkun olam, to repair a broken world. We have a mission. You know, when Tiz got, got ill and Rabbi Lappin and Susan Lappin flew in to pray for Tiz, they said these words. They said, if you guys were retired, I'd be worried about you. But because you have a mission, I believe you have long life. And let me just say this. You may retire from being a carpenter or you may retire from being a, 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 a politician or you may retire, from, but you can never retire from building the kingdom of God and standing on righteousness. Can I have an amen? Because if you do, you'll die. So let's keep moving. Amen. God says here, we are created for good works. Say created. We're not created just to sit. We're not created just to pray. We're not created just to read our Bible. We're created to accomplish something and get something done. You know, you've heard me say so many times, and I told Tiz, after this series, I'm thinking about doing, doing a series called Our Best is Yet to Come. And one of the things is, is we never retire. In ancient Hebrew, there's no word for retire. Because we've got, as long as we're breathing, we've got a mission. And gosh, we're seeing God bless us as we continue our mission. Before I read anymore, let me say this. The nation of Israel, we, we met with so many wonderful government leaders, spiritual leaders in Israel, and I, I do not have words to convey to you their love, their thanks, and their appreciation. I mean, it is, it's always been there, but there's something new happening. And so they, uh, you know, as I was getting ready after Ted Cruz spoke yesterday at, or Friday at the prayer breakfast, I literally got a text from Sam Grunwerg of Karen Hayazot, and he said, Pastor Larry, he said, we're going to miss you at Shabbat table tonight. They were just getting ready to go in the Shabbat. He said, would you say to New Beginnings and all your people how much we love you and appreciate you? And he said, because of you, 3,000 more Olim just came in to the nation of Israel. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and I just want to tell you, listen, this means the world. This means the world. And the blessing from all of our brothers and sisters in Israel and Jewish people around the world is on us. All right, let me, let me keep going. I do good for not having any notes, right? Though, therefore, remember, you're created beforehand that we should walk in them, the good works, doing something, accomplishing something. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcised by what is called uh, the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers and having covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, have been made near by the blood of Jesus. Now, let me, let me just say something. It, 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 real quick, it's so important that we understand how important it is that we learn in these last days the Jewish roots of our faith. The Jewish roots of our faith. And I'm going to show you something here in just a minute that's going to, is amazing. When it happened, we, we all walked out and went, did we just hear that? But he says, you who are in, in Christ, you who have received Jesus, he's talking about the Gentiles, who have received Jesus have been made close. Well, I thought we were there. No, now that we've received Jesus as our Savior, we need to add to our faith the knowledge of the Jewish people. Are, are you with me? My people destroyed for what reason? Lack of knowledge. And so when we're reading, you know, I sat with politicians this whole last week, 
And they said, now explain this to me. And I said, well, when Jesus said it's written, where was it written? And just like Christians in America, they go, well, in the New Testament. And no, the New New Testament wasn't written yet. So what's he quoting? He's quoting the Torah. He's quoting the wisdom of God given to the Jewish people. All right. Side note. Where am I now? 13. But now in Christ you have been once or far off, have been made near by the blood of Jesus, for he himself is our peace, our shalom, our nothing missing, nothing broken, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of division between us. Having established in his, in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinance so as to create himself one new man from two, thus bringing peace. The one new man too. Now this is, this is an end time prophecy that in the last days, right before the Messiah returns, and we were always joking. You've heard me say it before. We were joking amongst our Jewish friends over there. Uh, is this the first coming of the Messiah or the second coming of the Messiah? No matter which, first or second coming, we know where he's coming to, and he's coming to Jerusalem, and that's a Jerusalem that's undivided in the hands of the Jewish people. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, I believe he'll come to Dallas. He'll sweep through, get us. Some of you won't make it, and he'll take us... <laughs> Some of you Sardis church. No, I'm just joking. We're all everybody new beginning is going to make it, right? We're all going to make it. But the the two shall become one. Now to us that doesn't seem like a phenomena, but you've got to understand the Jewish people and the church have been separated for almost two thousand years because of what the church has been teaching. Blaming the Jews for killing Jesus and all these other things. And, and it, you know, the church speaking against the Jews is the root of all racism. And so here in the last days, we're going to tear down that demon of, of racism. And we're going to start by realizing that every one of us, male or female, black or brown or yellow or pinstripe or polka dot, Jew or Gentile, we are one through the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when we have that unity, what did God say you do? I will command my blessing there. So this is one of the most spiritual things that we can do is understand our Jewish roots. Now, on Friday, when we first got to Israel, we got in Thursday night. On Friday, before Shabbat, we had the great privilege of having a meeting with the chief rabbi. He's now retired from chief rabbi. Chief Rabbi Israel Meyer Lau. This is this is book, and I recommend if you want to read a really fascinating book, get get this book. Matter of fact, I can sell it to you for one hundred ninety five dollars. <laughs> this is a picture of Rabbi Lau. Rabbi Lau was the youngest survivor out of the death camps during the Holocaust. When Rabbi Lau first went in, he was. Uh, five years old, I believe. Here he is, uh, or four and a half years old. I think he's seven and a half years old now. And this is the day that the Allied troops came and liberated uh, Buchenwald, and Rabbi Lau was a little boy. You can see him leaving with his suitcase. He's got the uniform he's got on is a Nazi youth uniform. Because he was so tiny that there were no clothes, any, nobody had any clothes to fit him with. And so the only clothes that were left anywhere near was Nazi youth uniform. And so this is a very famous picture. He has it in his home. Um, uh, Ellie Weitzel found this home of this picture and gave it to him. He has it in his home. And uh, he told us as he walks out, on one side is the mezzanine's door. The other side is the picture of him leaving um, uh, the concentration camps. His father, uh, his family is uh, chief rabbis or have been rabbis for several generations. And when they uh, killed his father, 
in Poland and then uh, took his mother and killed his mother and killed his brother. They, uh, his older brother said, his father said to his older brother, um, take care of uh, uh, Meyer, take care of uh, Luca. He, he will be the next rabbi and he will be a rabbi in Israel. If you survive, he'll be a rabbi in Israel. And the, he tells us that he told us that he didn't even know, have never heard of the land of Israel. And so here he uh, gets out. His brother, long story short, it's a fascinating story, saves his life. God saves his life over and over and over again. Um, absolutely a miracle of God. Why? Because we have a mission, and God had a mission for Rabbi Lau. So if you could show maybe another picture. So on Friday, an amazing thing happened. Just keep that one up there. Amazing thing happened is Rabbi Lau... Uh, said he would like to to meet. And when we told people in Israel that we're going to meet with Rabbi Lau, they said, "Are you, really? He's, he's going he's gonna to meet with a Christian pastor, and he's going to meet with a, a Gentile. And I said, yeah, not only that, but we're meeting with him in his home. And I told Tiz, uh, I don't think I told anybody else, it was amazing, Scott and I were sitting there, and there was some media there, and uh, while we're talking for two hours, we're, talk, we're talking Torah, we're talking the Bible, you could hear uh, in the background, keep that picture up, you could hear in the background his wife and his daughter singing beautiful songs as they're preparing the Sabbath meal. And it was just an amazing experience. Uh, okay, right there, of course, there's Scotty, there's Shmulek, there's Sam. These two both are... Uh, ahead of uh, Karen Hazelt that we do our Aliyah projects and most of our Holocaust and our feeding for children. And so we got to meet with Rabbi Lau. Maybe you got another picture uh, up there. And uh, we're, we're sitting there talking Torah, a rabbi and a pastor. Now, to us, that doesn't seem strange, but the Christian for almost 2,000 years has been the enemy but now the two, the tear, our job is tearing down the walls that divide so we can become one new man. Now, I will tell you this. There are people still that say I'm a heretic because I teach the Jewishness of Jesus, the Jewishness of Paul, the Jewishness of Moses, the Jewish of Abraham. There are Christians that say Jesus wasn't Jewish. My answer to you is a, a deep spiritual revelation. <laughs> Even a fool appears wise when he shuts up. So maybe can you, sh- do we have one that, that where he spoke a blessing over me? I don't know if we have it or whatever. We'll, we're just talking. So anyway, so let me tell you. So we're, we're, we're talking, and it was going to be a quick meeting, and we we're going to be in and out, and he was very gracious to, to, to invite us to come. But as we're there, he says, now, when are you coming back to Jerusalem? And I said, or to Israel. He said, I'm not sure, maybe this and that. And he said, when you come, we'll come to my house, and we'll do Shabbat together. We'll have a meal together. And then he invited, he invited uh, me to, they do what's called the March of the Living, from uh, Auschwitz to Auschwitz to Buchenwald, is it Buchenwald or Treblinka? Auschwitz to Treblinka, and they march to celebrate the survival and the defeat of of the Holocaust. And he said, uh, "Would you march with me this year? Walk with me this year?" And which is a very public thing; it's not a life thing, and I don't take that very lightly. Because the Jewish people know that we, we love them for no other reason, no other reason, except because they are the chosen people of God, and God chose. You know, you think about, you think about Jerusalem. You think about standing politically against an undivided Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the only city in the world that God Almighty said, this is my city. This is my city. And so to, to, to understand how important it is and how grateful the nation of Israel is to all of you and all of our partners of standing with them is, is tremendously prophetic. And as we were getting up to leave, 
we'd been talking Torah. And, and at first he was, he was pretty surprised on some of the things that we understood about uh, coming of Passover and Shavuot and Sukkot and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and, and Shabbat and all these things. And we stood up and he, and, and he, he had said a blessing over us and he said, it's because God is showing you your Jewish roots. And I said, yes, sir, I, 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 I know he is. And he says, because Jesus was Jewish. Now, to have that, to have that spoken, and I almost said, I, I don't know if I should say that or not, but to have this great, great spiritual leader of the world to say it's a good thing of what you guys are doing, of receiving your Jewish roots, of celebrating and understanding that Jesus wasn't a Baptist and he wasn't a Presbyterian. I believe if Jesus was alive today, he would belong to New Beginnings Church. I do, I do believe that. But Jesus was born a Jew. He grew up a Jew. He taught as a Jew. I needed a better amen. I'm going to, I'm going to the Presbyterian side. He died a Jew. And he never stopped being Jewish. Amen. So it's, it's, it's not only a wonderful thing that we're standing up and understanding the Jewishness of the Jesus, but it's the truth we understand that will set us free. It's when we understand what Jesus didn't talk or Moses or Abraham. They didn't talk like Baptists or Presbyterian or folks from Texas. They talked as Jews who understood the Torah from the Holy Land and from God's city of Jerusalem. And it's a blessing to us because when our eyes are open and we begin to see these things, our eyes being open and the windows of heaven being open are synonymous to the end time blessing that I believe we're getting ready to walk into. Can I have an amen? Does that make sense? Now, there, there are people, there are still people say that, that I'm a heretic and, and uh, you know, that we've replaced Israel and all, and all you know. But, you know, you look at, you look at um, all the empires of the world that came against Israel. I mean, Israel, you know, just look at the Middle East. Just look at the Middle East. The, nat- the, 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 the whole Middle East... Arab nations, Muslim nations surrounding Israel. Of the whole Middle East area, Israel is one sixteenth of one percent in landmass of all the rest of the nations around them. Let me say that again. One sixteenth of one percent. That's if like if you if you took this whole building and drew a little ink dot there, that would be Israel. And so far, how many thousands of years have the huge armies and nations come against Israel? Where's the, where's the Roman Empire now? Where's the Greek Empire now? Where's the Babylonian Empire now? We, where's the Persian Empire now? Where's the, where's the English Empire now? But God still stands with Israel. And Israel literally is fulfilling the other part that I will bless those who bless you, I'll curse you. And through, the, through you, the world will be blessed. This one-sixteenth of one percent just in the Middle East this little land of Israel is blessing the world, not just biblically, that gave us the Bible, the Word of God, the Messiah, but he's blessing the world in every way. We talked to members of Parliament Africa that their, their lands were drying up for the lack of rain, and Israel introduced ways to irrigate and bring water. You look at technology. Folks, I'm telling you, if you stand with the nation of Israel, you're standing on the winning side, and I read the end of the book. We're close. Can I have an amen? All right. So I want to go quickly here. So the second thing is, is that it's not enough just to, in my opinion, I, I know, and I know it's the only city in the world that God says, pray for this city. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But I, I want to take it one step further. Put some legs on those prayers. Put some hands on those prayers. 
because the, the, the avot of all blessing, Genesis 12, is I will bless those. I will get involved with those who get involved with blessing the nation of Israel. After we went, left Rabbi Lau, we went to Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv and met with some government officials that just, be, just they just so appreciate you. I mean, they, they're not words at how much they said, tell the people, thank you, how much we love you. Many of you have seen this video, but let's show it uh, one more time. I think it's about three minutes long of what we're doing is, is in the last two weeks, you have sent to the nation of Israel a half a million dollars in the last two weeks to save Jewish lives. It's, the video's not working? Oh, we're good now? Okay, because I was about to fire that. L- listen, I'm a nightmare for these guys. They're up there going, what's he going to do next? What's he going to do next? Are we good to go? All right, so... In the last two weeks, um, you have, because of your, and, and I say you, all of you, because of your amazing generosity, um, we sent, uh, you know, we, we've pledged between a million and a million and a half, but we've already sent uh, to the nation of Israel, we've already, we sent, last two weeks, we sent a, a half a million dollars. And to yeah, give yourselves a hand, that's, that's amazing. And, uh, and, and the amazing thing is this is, you know, we pledged so much money, a million for Aliyah, and then we have Holocaust projects, feeding projects in, in Israel. Plus we have our orphanages and stuff and we can't do that without you. I, I'm the one that gets over there and they pat me on the back, but they know it's you. They, and, and, and God knows it's you that's done that, but we had to step up real quick because this is not like people that are waiting in a refugee camp these are people that and and here's what hit me when 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 talking to people it'd be like it'd be like like we're we're having coffee today and five days later our homes are gone i mean they're just normal people and we're we're across the border and they're saying pick a country to go to It'd be like, it'd be like all of a sudden you and I, we're, we're working, we're eating, our kids are going to school. And in five days, we're running for our lives and somebody's waiting there saying, pick a border, to, pick a country to go to. And thank God there are other countries to go to. But here's the amazing thing. In Russia and Ukraine, 40, 50 years ago, they took everything that proved they were Jewish and hit it or destroyed it because... That could be a death sentence, but now the most valuable thing there is is that you have proof that you're a, you're a Jew because there is a whole nation, not, not just strangers, a nation saying, we'll take you in. And so here, can you imagine walking with your children, your babies, Anna and Brandon, and, and, and Brandon wouldn't be there. He's back fighting, and Anna coming across with the sugars, or you coming across with your kids, and they go, uh, and, and you're one of three three point nine million people, and they go pick a nation, and here's the nation of Israel waiting there, and and it's so important that we're doing this now because just like any government to to release funds, they have to have you know like we'd have to have the Congress meeting and the Senate meeting and people making decision. But we can buy, we've bypassed all that by working with Karen Hayazot. So many of you have seen this, but look at this. This is one of the most amazing things. Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Larry. And I don't know if you can tell, but right now we're in Tel Aviv at Ben Gurion Airport. And in just a couple minutes, We are waiting for a plane that's going to land coming in from Warsaw. And this plane has somewhere around 120, mostly women and children and elderly, that have been saved, have been rescued, and are now about to land in Israel for the very first time. You have helped save Jewish lives and fulfilling Bible prophecy by them coming to the land of Israel.
first I want to thank you, Pastor oh, Larry. Man. On behalf of the Jewish people and on behalf of all of our communities around the world for your unbelievable dedication. What you just witnessed, we were literally are doing the work, God's work of saving lives. And we cannot express enough our appreciation. You know, we were talking about this, that every Aliyah project that we partner with Karen Hezo is fulfilling Bible prophecy. But this one is different because it's not just fulfilling Bible prophecy, and it is, but it's literally a now moment of saving people's lives, saving Jewish lives. If you look at the footage, you'll notice there are no young men getting off the plane. Uh, a few older men, but the men, the dads, the fathers, the brothers stayed there to fight for their country in Ukraine. And one lady, she's 84 years old, she traveled four days by herself to get through Ukraine, to get to the Polish border. And she was telling me on the bus that she was alive when the Nazis were bombing their home. 80 years ago. 80 years ago. And now her home's been bombed again. But because of Karen Hazel, because of the nation of Israel, and because of you guys, she's safe and she's here with family. There, there are not words to say how much we love you and how much we thank you for helping. And this is why we partner with Karen Hazel, because it's not, as it says, it's not words that get it done, it's deeds that get it done. And when we partner together, we get it done and we're truly saving lives. So thank you, Pastor Larry. Thank you for all of you at New Beginnings Amen. Church. And God bless all of you. And let me say, this is not the end of the work. There's so much more that we can get done together. Amen. All right, brother. All right. Amen. Give yourselves, give yourselves a big hand. Literally, you've, you're saving lives. You know, um, we've been involved with so many uh, Aliyah projects. That's Jews returning to the land of Israel. And, and it's Bible prophecy. The Bible says... You know, that one of the signs of the coming of the Messiah is that Gentiles will bring Jews back to the promised land in their arms and on their shoulders. They'll be, they'll be bringing Gentiles. And you think about how astounding that is because it was Gentiles that tried to push them out of the promised land, push them out of Israel. But God will reverse that curse. Remember, God said, I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And by you, you being a part of bringing Jewish people to the land of Israel, it, it is fulfilling Bible prophecy. It is, it, I mean, you are fulfilling prophecy that's thousands of years old that shows the coming of the Messiah. And so we've been doing this, you've been doing this for a lot of years. We've brought them in from all over the world. And while this is happening, we're, we're bringing 3,000 Jews from Ethiopia, right now at the same time and so you know we sent 500,000 for Ukraine and we want to we've got to keep that going because this thing is not going away tomorrow but at the same time we've got we're partnering with them to bring Ethiopian Jews back in and uh like I said on the video this one was a little bit different because if you see most of the videos of Jews that you've helped bring into Israel, they get off the plane, they're kissing the ground, they're shouting because so many times they've been waiting and preparing this for years to come to the land of Israel. But this one was different. It was, you know, I, I think the only way I try to explain it to folks at the conference, the, the government official at the conference, it was bittersweet. It was sweet that we've got a place to come. But at the same time, if you look, there are no young men, couple, a couple old men, because the, the dads, the fathers, the, the sons, they're back fighting against this evil. And their dads and sons and fathers don't even know where they are. I mean, this is amazing. When we started this, when we first, when we first asked you to, to give to this, 
We were told by Israel that we're going to bring six to 8,000 Jews out of Ukraine into Israel. It's now up to 100 to 150,000 Jews that have been displaced and need to come back to. And understand this it's not like President Biden who opens the borders and then drops you off in the center of Kansas and says you're on your own. When Israel brings these people back, they're housing them, they're feeding them, they're teaching them the language. They're, huh? They're giving them tools. And this is a year to three year process. And the nation of Israel, it's not like, oh yeah, come on in and then we drop you off somewhere. No, this is, you, you are literally changing the world in this. And it's amazing to see. So they were so thankful, but at the same time, they were in shock. And we got on the bus. There's no way we could show everything. We got on the bus, and, and that, that, that little lady, that little babushka, she was the, the 84-year-old woman that, that made it uh, four days, walking, trying to catch a ride, and she would use uh, people she'd meet, cell phones. She had a daughter um, in um, uh, Haifa, a granddaughter in Haifa, and the granddaughter would, she'd call and say, I'm here, I'm here. When she got into Poland, if you saw the other video, that's her right there. If you saw the other video where Sam was in, the, in one, one, only one checkpoint, there is an old mall that's been abandoned for years and years. And they put 3,000 cots in this mall and Sam said, you know, people are doing the best they can, but you got to understand 3,000 people walk, going through that at least every day. He said, it's filthy, the Senate. Can you imagine? So Karen Hazot, the, the people that you and I work with, got a phone call from the granddaughter in Haifa and said, my, my grandmother is in this mall. Can you find her? And if you can, if you can see this, this guy here, Yakov, he is he is one of the most important men in Israel. He's over three of the main agencies right now. Uh, became a great friend. He just became a great friend of ours. And he was flying in to to see what's going on. He's the head of the Jewish agency. And the guy that was supposed to pick him up says, "I can't pick you up." And he said, what do you mean you can't pick me up? I'm here. He goes, I got to find this grandmother. And so this is the, this is the people of Israel. This is the kind of people they are. So they dump, it'd be like dumping the uh, uh, ambassador to the United States and saying, I got to go, go find this grandmother. And so the, the guys had a f- picture of her text to him. So he's walking through 3,000 cops looking for one grandmother. See, that's the nation of Israel. That's the Jew. And that's the way we should be. If one of us are lost, we need to go find that one and stand up and together. That's the way we should be, right? That, that one is as important as some prime minister. And he's walking through and he sees this old lady. He said, well, it looks about her age, but she's, she's laying on her face. And so to be kosher he goes gets a woman and asks her could you ask her to roll over and ask her her name because he didn't want to he didn't want to approach this woman she's all by herself and sure enough that was her and then two days later we're greeting them in in israel and you saved another life it's it's an amazing story but when we got on the bus i was talking to her and through through an interpreter and she was telling me the story that she was four years old when the Nazis b- b- bombed their house and their house is gone. Four years old. And uh, this lady next to her, probably 50 or so, she's hearing us talk and she was just standing on the bus and all of a sudden she just bursts into tears. And she goes, my home's gone. They bombed my home. I mean, Gone. And so, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? 
This was, this was Friday night, the last night of Purim, Purim Shushan, which is an extra night in Jerusalem. And their lives literally, they had to feel like they're living in the book of Esther. What in the world is going on? But because of you and each one of us doing whatever we could, we were allowed. Remember when we studied the seven churches of Revelations and God said, he said, I'll give you the morning star. But the key is you be in the morning star. That's a star, Esther, Esther. But you be an Esther. And I don't know if you really realize, I wish I could come lay hands on you and tell you, you have been an Esther so far to thousands and thousands of Jews. Their life was turned upside down and somebody met them at the border and said, you know what? God's going to turn your life upside down again. What Satan meant for evil, God will use it for good. That's because of you. Now, let me take 10 more minutes and show you one last thing. And after this was all done, then we started the conference in, uh, in Jerusalem. This is called the Chairman's Conference. And the Chairman's Conference is political leaders that Israel, the nation of Israel, brings in from all over the world. And... Uh, to talk politics. My job is to talk Bible. And I just want to show you one interview um, that Christian Broadcasting Network, the 700 Club, did with me, uh, with us, uh, the last night, to show you that Bible and politics are not separate. Bible and politics go hand in hand. We must have people in office. We must vote for people that believe in the word of God. And I want to show you this interview that we did. The biggest political conference here since the pandemic brought together members of parliament and international supporters of Israel. It's called the Israel Allies Foundation, or IAF. In 2004, the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus was started in the Israeli parliament. And then in 2006, Congress in Washington, D.C. decided to start our first sister caucus, the Congressional Israel Allies Caucus. Well, all these sister caucuses get it started all over the world in different countries. So we created the Israel Allies Foundation so we could coordinate the activities of our sister caucuses around the world. The organization now consists of 50 caucuses made up of 1,200 international lawmakers. Reinstein calls it faith-based diplomacy in action. When people take their biblical support, and turn into real political action is the most important weapon that we have in our diplomatic arsenal today. It's the reason that we have embassies in Jerusalem. It's the reason we have legislation against anti-Semitism and the BDS. We're seeing a sea change in how countries view Israel because of faith-based diplomacy. Natan Sharansky told the group why it's more important than ever to stand with Israel. These days, when unfortunately anti-Semitism is rising, and this old hatred becomes new and modern hatred. And these days to see so many parliamentarians from all over the world who come specially to demonstrate their solidarity and to take obligation that they will continue fighting anti-Semitism in their own countries, that's very important. Crucial, because unfortunately the trend is that around the parliament the representation has been anti-Israel. And so to have here a group of people who are proudly pro-Israel in these parliaments is strategic for Israel and it's crucial for Israel and we're very grateful. Republican Congressman Doug Lamborn co-chairs the U.S. arm. It's congressmen and women who want to support Israel. We believe that the U.S. and Israel have a strong relationship and we want that relationship to stay strong and get even stronger. The IAF forms a global network of like-minded legislators. We have in this network a very good exchange of views, exchange of experiences that we can use in our domestic contexts and in, our, in the different countries, in the different parliaments. So it's a practical way of cooperate, but it's also very inspiring. So that network and that feeling of all these legislators working together on behalf of standing with Israel is what really is the secret sauce in faith-based diplomacy. Many lawmakers see their involvement through a spiritual lens. We know that the motivation of most of the lawmakers are based on the firm foundations, mainly the biblical foundation. It's been a really wonderful time meeting all these different politicians around the world and other actors and other ministry leaders who are supporting the same cause. So there's a shared vision 
And this is not about self. This is about the kingdom of God. So it's, it's, not, it's not just about self. It's all about the kingdom of God. And we think this is, this is an awesome moment. The group also signed a declaration to fight anti-Semitism and support Israel's sovereign right to keep Jerusalem as its undivided capital. Broadcaster Larry Hutch, designated as one of Israel's top Christian allies, sees IAF as a sign of the times. I think with what we're seeing between Jews and Gentiles and what we're seeing in Bible prophecy and events of the world, I think we're closer to the, to the coming of the Messiah than we even realize. And that's why it's so important to do whatever we can right now to stand up with each other, to stand up for the nation of Israel, to stand up against anti-Semitism. And one of the great, great words of God is Genesis 12. We all know this. I will bless those who bless Israel. Standing with Israel is the foundation of all the blessings that God is going to bring in these last days. Chris Mitchell, CBN News, Jerusalem. Ha. How many agree? Say amen. I'm going to close in about five minutes and four minutes, something like that. But let me tell you something. I, 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 my, my part of that conference was to minister to the ministers of government around the world. And through that, one thing is, is that um, the gentleman, several gentlemen from Africa asked if I would come to speak in Africa to over a thousand pastors and teach them about standing with the nation of Israel and standing against anti-Semitism. But I told them, and I said, listen to what I'm saying. And you've heard me say it a thousand times. When God says in Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you. I said, this is not a rabbi saying this, and I will say this over and over and over and over and over again because people need to hear it. This is not a rabbi saying this, not a politician saying this, not a pastor saying this, because every rabbi can exaggerate, every pastor can exaggerate, every politician can be a politician. (laughs) But it's Almighty God that says, I will, I will bless you when you bless the nation of Israel. And I told them, I said, I know this is a political meeting, but if any of you need prayer, and I told them the story of Lion and Tiz, the miracle of God, and I know that's directly connected to that very promise. That is the father of all promises. And so we left that where I spoke, and we went to the tomb of the prophet Samuel because we were doing a political thing about America not letting Jerusalem build in their own city. That'd be like somebody coming saying, well, I know Dallas belongs to you, but, but we, we in, uh, we in uh, somewhere else say you can't build here. And so America's putting their notes. And one of the interviews I did was said, what do you think about America saying this? I said, it's not America's business. What Israel does is Israel's business. It's not my business. It's not your business. It's not their business. Israel is their own sovereign land. Let them make the decision. And we need to keep our big nose out of it. Amen. But, they, you know, they, so we were standing there, and we were there at the, 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 the tomb of the prophet Samuel for a political thing to show where Israel wants to build. And we've got to build. They've got to build. We're bringing in 150,000 immigrants right now. Where, where are we going to put them? And, and so, anyway, we're leaving, and the, po- the political speech was done. And, you know, they're rushing us back to the bus. Everybody on the bus. And, but we're at the tomb. <laughs> we're at the tomb of the prophet Samuel. I mean, for most of these people, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And so they start going into the tomb, and, and, and Josh goes, Pastor, stop him. I said, I'm going with him. <laughs> I said, I'll bring him out. So we're down there, and, and it's a very holy thing to pray at, a, at the tomb of a prophet, you know, and like praying at the Western Wall or something. And so um, we're, we're uh, uh, down there, and all of a sudden, there's a line of men because the women go to one side and the men go to the other side and there's a line of men saying pastor politician would you pray for me and there were several things that happened but one of the things the next day one of the african gentlemen he had me pray he said would you pray for me and you know this and that and uh, some private things and he said would you pray for my mother my mother is not well she's it doesn't look good she's bad heart and she's in the hospital right now and could you pray? Because we need a miracle. The, the next afternoon, or the, 
the next day and then the next morning, we were having breakfast, and he comes and he says, Pastor, I've got to tell you, I called my mother last night and said, Pastor Larry, a man of God prayed for you in Jerusalem at the prophet Samuel's tomb, and we believe God will heal you. And she said, my son, the doctors just left my room, and they said there is nothing wrong with me. I'm going home. I will bless those who bless Israel. Spread the news. Spread the news. Now, let me close with this. We had several politicians speaking to us, several brilliant people. I mean, oh, there's this one lady, and I go, man, her name is Seema, and she's about that tall, and she's retired brigadier general. And she talked about defeating anti-Semitism. And she said, we need a movement because anti-Semitism is stronger today. If you can believe this, it's stronger today than it was during the times of Hitler. Boy, guys, we can't sit by and let that happen. Another speaker, she said, we need a movement. And, And I think I've got, I believe God's birthing a thought in my mind of a movement to rise up because if we if we defeat anti-semitism we're going to defeat racism we're going to we're going to defeat division of of male and female denominate let's man let's get an army going here let's get an army going but one of the things one of the other speakers were talking about how how do you take a 13 year old a 14 year old who's playing soccer and the next thing you know they're strapping a bomb to themselves, getting on a bus with kids going to school and blow it up. How do you turn a normal child into a suicide murderer? And they said, your school systems. The school system. And they showed us, and I, I've, got, I've got a whole bunch of stats here, but I won't take time to do it. They showed, they showed uh, children's programs that they play uh, while they're in school, they, this little girl, cute little Palestinian girl, probably six, seven years old, reading a poem that a mother wrote and said, you're not on, on earth. This is a mother. You're not on earth to have a good life. You're on earth to be the ammunition to kill Jews. Our children are the ammunition. Who would say that? And, and we're sitting there going, what? And then they showed. It's, it's, it's brainwashing in the schools. Nonstop brainwashing. Jews are the work of Satan. And they showed it. They hit it spiritually. They hit it economically. I want, I want to read you one thing. I, I know. I've got two minutes. I can get it all done. But let me, let me read. Just to, just to wake you up why it's important that we stand up and we speak up. Here's a family of young men who murdered seven Jews. They're in prison, and the Palestinian Authority pays these who murdered these Jews. They were caught. They pay them $13,633 a month for murdering Jews. If you murder a Jew, we'll pay your family. Who does that? But the thing that grabbed me was, is that, I mean, they they showed cartoons like, what's the purple guy that, Barney? They show like Barney saying, let's kill Jews. And and kids are dancing, let's get, we're, we're, and, and parents saying, our children are called by God to be martyrs. The first thing I want to say in closing on that is, we got to watch what our kids are being taught in school. Because you think about the brainwashing and you think about the government not allowing. Boy, the government, our government was going to arrest mothers and fathers for standing up for their children. They're going to arrest them. So we need to understand this isn't way over there. This is closer to home than we think. But the other thing is, is that we need to reach the young people. We need to have a strategy as new beginnings, as parents, as grandparents, as Christians, as Jews. We need to come together with a strategy of what we need to do because we cannot let 
the devil brainwash our kids because our God is not a God of death. Our God is a God of life that's come to give us that life and life more abundant. What a mighty God we serve. Can I have an amen? Would you stand with me all over the building? And I want you to give not only the Lord, but I want you to give yourself a big hand clap. All of you, come on, clap your hands, put your hands together because you are being used by God to change the world. I want to say that when we were over there, and and we're only giving you a fraction of what we saw and what we talked about and what we heard and all the things that, that that is happening around the world. But here we have politicians from all over the world. Here we have media, secular media, Jewish media, Christian media. And the question they keep saying is, Pastor, at the breakfast, I can't tell you how, on Friday, I can't tell you how many people came up and said, what do you think? Is this the end? Well, if it is the end, we need to make sure your heart is right with God. If it's not the end, then we got work to do. Let's change the world. Amen. I know gas prices are skyrocketing. I know the economy is plunging. But I know who sits on the throne, and he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You believe that? Now, we don't take an offering here. We just let you give as you know to do. But I want you to pray about something. I want you to pray about, because what we're doing with bringing Jews out of Ukraine, this is a, this is a now. This is not in a month. Now, who knows what's going to happen in a month? If, if, Putin, if Putin was destroyed tomorrow, there's nothing for those people to go home to. Have you, seen, have you seen the pictures? There's nothing for them to go home to. Now, I believe God wants us to raise that million now, not, not by the end of the year, that million now. And, and not, you know, if, if, if you could give a million dollars or somebody watching can give a million dollars, I will... I will Send Luke to your home and you can come and be my new son. But everybody can do something. That's the scripture of the Mishkan. And when God saw everybody did something. You know, let me tell you something. Another part of that, that, that Torah portion, in English it's called the reckoning, that God looked and everybody did what he put in their heart to do. But something that's not taught, it's also a reckoning with Moses. When the high priest came out of the the place of sacrifice, he was not allowed to have any pockets in his robe. And that's why Moses shares what everybody gave. And Moses gave a reckoning because he wasn't out buying himself a jet plane. He wasn't out doing any of these things. He was preparing for the power of God to fall. Now, I'm not, forgive me, I probably shouldn't have said anything about jet planes, but come on, there's a, you know, let's get done what we need to get done. Let's get done what we need to get done. And we need to do it now. So I'm praying that you and everybody watching around the world, you'll, you'll, you'll say, God, for such a time as this, I want to be that Esther. And you know, when you need Esther to come into your life, God will send that for such a time as this. The, the, there's, there's battles that economically that the world is facing. But I'm telling you, the God of Esther is in it. And he, in a moment of time, Haman's going to be done with. And just think at the end of Esther, they went in to build the temple. They went back to build the temple, to welcome in the Messiah. I want to speak a blessing over you if I can. All of you that are here, all of our friends and partners that are around the world. We could not do this without you. And there literally are not words to tell you, thank you, thank you. Thank you is just, just not enough. But once again, when you save one life, God sees it if you save the whole world. Father, I speak right now according to your word and your promises. Father, I speak that you would release the blessing of God on every person here and watching around the world and those who will watch. For you said you would bless those who bless Israel. 
And Father, it may be a miracle of healing. It may be a miracle in marriage. It may be a miracle with children or grandchildren. It may be a miracle in their bodies, in their health, whatever it is. Father, you've got it covered. And we release that. And Father, we ask that you would bring such a blessing on your people that all the world will know it is because we stand firmly on the word of God we stand firmly on building the kingdom of God and we stand firmly with the land of Israel an undivided Israel an undivided Jerusalem and father we prepare our hearts and we prepare our lives for the soon coming of the Messiah bless let the testimonies ring forth throughout the world of God's hand on every one of us And for what you've done, we give you praise. What you're going to do, we give you glory. In the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is our Messiah. And all God's mighty army shouted one more time. Give the Lord a shout and a praise offering.